Welcome to another episode of Unlearn and Relearn Podcast with Megan and Wilson. Hey, friends. How's it going? So how are you doing today? Oh, man. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. As well <laughs> as one can be, you know? With all of the craziness that is happening yeah, right a now. lot's been going on I mean that's that's really it's so hard and I think it's it, it makes me laugh when I say a lot's been going on lately because a lot's been going on um, this entire year and yeah. I feel like we've been saying it like every week we're like holy crap a lot's gone on this week oh yeah. my gosh so much happened and um I'm I'm pretty <laughs> happy that we have the opportunity to do what we do because so many stories yeah. fall through the cracks and things get lost in the shuffle and important things happen and it's just like it's things are moving so rapidly that you don't really get a chance to stop and really spend time on things because things are just moving so fast and events are coming at us and developments and the president and definitely the president this is definitely <laughs> our way also of kind of uh reflecting and kind of receiving all of this information yeah. being able to to go through it with each other um definitely helps and with all of you listening of course um we always appreciate the feedback that we get and and the the stories that are sent to us um that maybe that you know like wilson said maybe we miss maybe they fell through the cracks so um it's definitely a great opportunity and today's a big one i mean we have you know every monday you know every monday we we brainstorm we go through the the prep and planning the prep and planning and we there was so much information that we were really weeding out. Like, what do we put in this episode? There's so much to talk about. It really, we could talk about it for probably three episodes total, but um, we really had to kind of hone it in. Mm -hmm. um, so just to, to kind of kick it off, our highlights of the week are going to, we normally, you know, just go through one or two our highlight of the week is kind of just a compilation of what's been going on with Trump in regards to um, COVID, the debates, and uh, the stimulus. Uh, or lack thereof. <laughs> or lack thereof. So, uh, news that just hit today. Yeah. So, um, And a lot of times that's what's happening. Yeah, we're prepping literally. and planning and we're like, this is what we're going to do. And then literally we show up on the day of and it's like, well, we should talk about that because that's <laughs> Well, that crazy. came out this morning. It came so. out an hour before I got here, and that's wild. So right. we should talk about that. Our main topic is going to be about voting. Ha, we're doing another voting episode. We may shoehorn voting in in another episode that you hear before the election. Because right. it is that important. Who knows? We, <laughs> what, we'll find out. We'll find out <laughs> what we talk. We, we're literally being dictated to our topics as we move. Right. I think we get to Friday and we're like, okay, I think we have another topic. We have another <laughs> we'll thing to talk about. We'll find out on Monday. Um, so voting is going to be our main topic. We'll talk history. We'll get yes. into some stuff about you know how where it's how how it's come along, and then we'll end that voting part out by talking about some of the changes that have been made um, since two, 2013 with the Supreme Court decision to strike down part of the Voting Rights Act. So yes. that's going to yes. be our 
our our main I guess meat and potatoes. But yeah. let's just let's just go right into our highlights of the week. Our highlights of the week sim, uh, uh, circle around uh, one person, right. really, and uh, it's Trump. And there's three separate things we're going to talk about when it comes to what the president has done over the last week. So yeah, go ahead and get into the first one. So the first one is going to be Trump has uh, Trump. <laughs> Had COVID, got COVID, right. and and as of this recording, he currently still has it, and his response has been a disaster. I don't even know how else to put that the that whole some, situation that has somebody been quite a disaster could do something. This could get to could be so reckless. Right. I mean, if we look, we look to, at the yeah. the timeline. We don't have a full. We don't have a. We don't know for sure when he first got it. But we can speculate com- as you know, com- based on what the doctors have said and what um, I guess news articles that we've read have all said around the time of the debates, he had it mm-hmm. the time that he went and had one of his rallies where he was throwing out the hats and talking to everybody, of course, no masks he him had or anybody in there. He had it. I think that. <laughs> They might think that he got it at the ceremony to nominate Amy Coney Barrett to be a Supreme Court justice. I think that's what they're kind of thinking. They're speculating. Is speculating that that was probably the super spreader event in which right. not only did he get it, his no chief, one there were, were his wearing chief counselor No got one it. there was being so socially distancing. Oh yeah, know? no. They were not being responsible in At any all. way. Um, so uh, his press secretary now we know has it. Chris Christie, who was there, has it. The president of Notre Dame has it. He was at that event. So there's at least a half a dozen, if not more, probably by the time right. you guys hear this, there will be more than half a dozen people who all, plus Trump. So right. you get that's how you get to half a dozen, all at this one event. And they all got it right. from this one event. Um, so And then even after all of that, he's, he's in the hospital and he decides to leave early. Oh, Jesus. Even though... The doctors say that it's not, you know, he's not hit the the peak of it. Because as we know, the quarantine is stage of this is supposed to be two weeks because Mm -hmm. you go through a stage almost like a roller coaster situation where it it goes up, it comes back down, and then it typically goes back up again. Um, Severity and symptoms. Right. So he's left and then the first one of the first things he does well while still in the hospital he leaves and drives around in a in a hermetically sealed uh secret service vehicle so that he can wave at his supporters and put in danger the life of and the health of two secret service agents that had to be in that vehicle with him now, I, 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 the way I read it was that that vehicle is sealed so that chemical agents can't get in, which means that the air he was breathing, meaning the virus he was breathing out of his mouth, those Secret Service agents were directly exposed to it. Even though they were all wearing a mask, right. they're all breathing the same air. Right. So 
In an enclosed space. In an enclosed Such space. Such a tight enclosed space. That is space. sealed off from any oxygen getting in or getting right. out. Which was to, reckless, to dangerous, deleterious, like just so many different Then he gets things. out of the hospital and the first thing he does is essentially the same thing. He takes off his mask. He has the... He leaves, he, he he leaves the hospital. He leaves the hospital early. Right. Which is something that he shouldn't have done. Then he held a conference and then he had his mask off and he's talking to all these people and it's like, you have COVID. Yeah. You still have it. You're not even through the worst of it yet. And then he says, don't be, don't be afraid of it. Don't let it rule, rule over you, essentially. And, he, and it's like, well, of course you would say that when you have the top medical professionals working for you you in have all world. of this you have essentially you have free health care oh yeah you would you would say that of mm-hmm. course don't worry about it you don't have to worry about it but for people that don't have health care like me yeah <laughs> have to worry about everything yeah and 210 or for people that even pay for health care monthly but that it's still shit yeah it still is not going to cover half of what they need 210,000 people have died as of this recording. Right. We're at 210,000 people. And so on the social medias, um, Twitter and Facebook, people have been posting that, you know, I saw one where a woman out of Tennessee said that her, her father had died this weekend. Her father died this past weekend. And that it's not that she could not worry about it. Because it literally took her father away from her. So the insensitivity of it. Right. The, 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 it's, 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 it's almost unbe- it's unbelievable, but it's believable because it's literally happening right in front of us. So we can see it and we can believe it. Right. Um, our next highlight, which is really, these are not highlights. These are like the lowlights of the week. Um, the debates, the debates were a disaster and the debates feel like they happened last year and literally the debates happened a week ago today. By the time this comes out, the second debate will have happened. Um, the second debate for us is happening in two days. Um, It's supposed to happen in two days. It's supposed to happen. Donald Trump's tweeting about how it's going to happen. So we'll see how that goes. I swear to God, if this idiot shows up to a debate with with currently having COVID, just like... I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, if I were Biden, I wouldn't show, I would refuse to do it. But also, I mean, the debates, we're not going to sit here and talk about breaking down too much of it, but essentially it was just kind of an embarrassment to watch because it was like children just throwing tantrums on the stage. One child. A little bit of both, but mainly Trump for sure. And <laughs> I, I, we don't love Biden or anything, so we're not we're not gonna sit here and like boost him up. Mm-hmm. But at least he's not sitting there. He, he was not continuously interrupting. He was not. He was focusing on the issues at hand. What was very frustrating to watch is when we're talking about a specific issue mm-hmm. and he, Trump starts talking and he says nothing. He literally says 
nothing. (laughs) Like, it's like you literally just put like five words together that made no fucking sense. They're just confusing people that are not well educated. Mm -hmm. And... Or, like, even if you are educated, it's sometimes hard to listen to this man. Mm Because you're just like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. It was just, like, it was just a whole lot. And then, of course, the one of the biggest things that came of it was the fact that he wouldn't denounce white supremacy, which I think a lot of us are not surprised about. Not surprised. He will. Like I told you, he will. I think... This is and this is speculative. Um, uh, this is your opinion. My opinion on just like pseudo psychology. I don't think Trump likes to be cornered. I don't think Trump likes to be told what to do. Mm. So if you say Trump denounce white supremacy, he, he goes, "I'll denounce it, but not in front of you." That's I think that's what <laughs> happens in his head. He goes, "I'll denounce it." Not right now, because you not told because me you to. asked me to. Like a. <laughs> yeah. uh, child like literally just a spoiled brat like Absolutely. doesn't want to dena- doesn't want to have white supremacists support him right but can't do it when he's asked to do it literally in front of people that's the reason why i, I think that he, he said, minds having white supremacists support him but he doesn't want to he doesn't want to outright be um but in there favor is but here's the truth though there is that. audio of him denouncing white supremacists there is plenty of audio that totally. is flowing around of him, like well, on yeah, because he's Fox not going to go out and say that on Sean Hannity, on right. all these other outlets. He denounces white supremacy, but then he also uses them as well. But then what he, he won't uses them do- as a tool. It's you know, I'm not going to outright say that like he's a white supremacist. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm saying. But also, he's not denouncing it, and he uses those groups as tools, and that's part of why he's not going to denounce it. Mm-hmm. Publicly, but it, he also is going to continuously in other instances, like you said, he might not say it in that instance where where people were outright saying, are you going to denounce it? But in other instances after that, he's going to he's going to allude or like make little comments towards that mm-hmm. so that he, it's known that he's not that because he's nobody wants to. Nobody's going to be the president and be like, I'm a white supremacist. This yeah. is great. Everybody's yeah. going to vote for me. Yeah. No, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear that. But you're right. I agree with you on and, that. And then there's so. also that ego part where no. I don't you're, This media person's not going to tell me what to do. Right. So that's where I think the stand, I have the power. I have the you power. Don't have You're the just power. a reporter. I'm the president. Right. So he goes, stand back and stand by to the Proud Boys. Right. You know, which they started printing T-shirts up about. <laughs> yeah. Because they thought that was the best thing in the world. Um, now, to the extent that he, that he meant stand by, I who think. Knows? Uh, who knows? Who knows? Um, based on what he was, based on what he had to say after that, it was just kind of like, all right, my guy. Yeah. But we can sit here and, like you said, we can sit here and speculate whether he meant this or whether he meant that. Like, we all I know think that's a lot of times nowhere, when you're, when so. you're the president, you really do have to be concerned with what you say because what you meant doesn't almost matter. Yeah. You just saying something could, could just make stand people up and they'll be like oh embolden them and they feel so powerful now and you didn't even mean it but it doesn't matter this is why when you did it this is why when you're in a position of leadership like this you got to watch what you say right but this guy doesn't and then Uh, our our final because we could talk about this all day um is just the 
Okay, so you brought this up yeah. literally as we were going to print, as we were about to start recording. So can you go into this whole thing about the stimulus? Yeah, so essentially, so Donald Trump, you know, we they've been talking about it for at least, I think since September, maybe? They've September? been doing, having negotiations right. about passing another stimulus. Another bill. stimulus since yeah. then. So we've been kind of like, all right, what's going on? Waiting for it, seeing what's happening. Trump had even said, like, don't worry, it's coming. Mm -hmm. We're doing it. And then today he tweets, and the tweet says, Nancy Pelosi is asking for $2.4 trillion to bail out poorly run, high crime, Democrat states. Money that is in no way related to COVID-19. I'm just going to comment on that. What the fuck does that have to do with anything? It's not. You are the president. You stand for everybody. You don't just to. stand for the Republican states because you're a Republican. But anyways... Then he says, we made a generous offer of $1.6 trillion, and as usual, she is not negotiating in good faith. I am rejecting their request and looking to the future of our country. I have instructed my representatives to stop negotiating until after the election. When, he says when, immediately after I win, we will pass a major stimulus bill that focus on hardworking Americans and small business. Can I, can I? Go for it. So what is going to change about Nancy Pelosi's good faith negotiation but from now to after you win? Nothing is going to change. What is going to change about the poorly run Democratic states, Democrat states, whatever the hell that democratic states right between now and after they're still going to be poorly run after the election yeah, oh i know what's going to change you'll be reelected. Right. so nothing is going to change about why you're not doing this the only thing that's going to change is if you're reelected. this is a pawn for you to hold over us exactly hey everyone we're you're not getting a stimulus until i win because guess what? If I don't win, are we still going to get the stimulus? Hell, Hell no. no, we're not going to get the stimulus. And then like you said, Wilson, what were you saying earlier? I said that if he doesn't win, if he doesn't win, stimulus, he's not going to talk about that. He's not going to care about that because he knows he's leaving office. So you can forget anything happening. The, the, the Congress goes on vacation in December. They go to Christmas break for like 30 or 40. And they don't come back in earnest until after the next president is sworn in. So if they if if they don't pass anything between now and maybe th before Thanksgiving, they won't pass anything until and they won't even start the cuz they have to do a new Congress which and a new Senate which means that they have to reintroduce the stimulus bill and start all over again in January. So let's just say for example that Trump loses, which we all hope, fingers crossed, prayers right. to God. And he doesn't do anything. He does. He says, well, F these people. They don't want me to be president so they don't get a stimulus. Because he's not the type of person to do the right, right thing. Right. He's only going to do it if it benefits him. So if he loses, we may not even get negotiations for a new stimulus until February. Which means that it won't get through Congress until sometime around the middle of February. And it won't make it to a Biden's desk until sometime in March. 
or it could happen literally right after Biden is sworn in. He could be like, send me the bill right now. I'm signing it. Trump, what Trump is doing. Either is, way, that's still end of January, early February at the earliest. At the earliest. Looking at March at the latest. At the latest. Trump were to lose and decide not to go through with this because. So you're talking about no stimulus until almost through winter a year. And, and yeah, a year from our first. From month. our from when this thing first started, right. when the pandemic first started. Right. Which is is to me would be Trump's final fu to this country on his way out the door just take a a kerosene soaked rag and just set the whole goddamn thing on fire and i feel like he's that vindictive and that egomaniac and mean maniac and narcissistic to do just that just yeah. set the whole country on fire before here, he leaves here's the last part of this which is not any any better at all and we're gonna move on to um not talking about trump so (laughs) (laughs) the rest of it says i've asked mitch mcconnell to delay but to instead focus full time on approving my outstanding nominee to the united states supreme court amy coney barrett our economy is doing very well the stock market at record levels jobs and unemployment also coming back in record numbers. We are leading the world economic recovery and the best is yet to come. So to be honest, this whole uh, tweet makes me just want to cry and it's just really depressing because like, what the fuck, man? You're going to not, so you're telling us that we don't get any stimulus money, quote unquote, when you win, but if you win, that's our worst nightmare. And then if you lose, you're probably not going to do it. And then also you're rushing to fill the seat. Mm-hmm. Both of those things are terrible news. Yeah, terrible, terrible so news. So yeah. we'll see how this. We'll, we'll see keep how our, this keep an eye on this because keeps going, as yeah. they move through this, if they decide to move through this um, nom- nomination and confirmation process, they are missing a couple of senators that belong on certain key. Uh, Committees are, uh, yeah, committees because they got COVID. So at least two senators that belong, we'll, we'll get to this. We'll, I'll have more to talk about this like next week because I want to see, I actually want to see if Mitch McConnell tries to actually have hearings. Because right. if he does and there's senators that are supposed to be on the Judiciary Committee that, can't, that, that are quarantined right now because they have COVID, right. what's going to happen? I'm so excited to see what shenanigans right. and crap they try to pull exactly. in order to like, Make a because you know you have to have quorum for a hearing. You have to have X number of people there in order to actually do the business of the right. committee. There are rules to there these. There are rules things. to these things. So yeah. So as we move through to the to the actual main topic, just know when it comes to this whole Amy Coney Barrett thing, get ready, strap <laughs> yeah, in seriously. because this is going to be a wild ride. We might this see senators really... be wheeled in, literally with oxygen mask on, to make votes just so they can try to cram this thing and if Amy Coney Barrett messes around and gets COVID which is very likely because she was at that event exactly another monkey wrench like this thing is going to be crazy so we're going to move on from all of that voting episode part two part two of five right (laughs) like Wilson said we're going to kind of essentially we're going to run through the timeline we're going to kind of focus a little bit more on like certain points through this timeline um and then we're going to talk a little bit about local elections and the importance of 
that and checking out the different measures on the ballot and being educated about those things um obviously before you go to vote Mm -hmm. um so let's get into it yes yeah so we're gonna start way back let's just go all the way back all the way back way back when right 1788 founding fathers of the u.s established the electoral college so the american people do not directly elect the president instead the electoral college elects the president so the electoral college votes are divided among the states and each state gets two votes for its two senators and a vote for each of its representatives in congress the number of congressional representatives varies from state to state depending on the state's population so if a candidate wins the popular vote in a state, they win that state's electoral college vote. And it is poss- possible to win the popular vote and lose the presidential election if the candidate does not win enough electoral votes. Which is what happened in 2016. Right. We saw that happen. We saw that happen. Right. We lived it. <laughs> so. Three million votes, yet that person lost. Right. Three million more votes. Trump won by 78,000 votes spread across three states. So if you don't know how important voting is, ooh. Right. That's why we're doing two episodes. Yeah. Maybe more. seven. Maybe more. The number keeps going up. (laughs) Right. 1820 to 1830, as states join the union, they create their own state constitutions outlining who is allowed to vote. Eligible voters are mostly white males who own property. A small number of free black men are allowed to vote, but no women other than white or black. Now, this is what the this is what the normal um, I would say this is what just the normal uh, uh, idea of what voting was all always was. And this I this statement that you just read. Yeah is the basis, the undergirding basis for all of voting sense. Right. Is that they only wanted to be able to vote white men who owned property. Think about that white man who don't own shit. Mm-hmm. You don't own any property as a white man. You're not supposed to be voting according to what these people thought. And there are people today that, that think that think this that. is the way that people should be able to vote in this country. Mm-hmm. You have to be a white male and you have to own property. Mm-hmm. So if you poor and white, they don't want you to vote. And there are people that are running the system right now who still believe that. Yep. And that will, will get to how that ideology is still permeating laws that are being passed. Right. So 1840, women began to organize a, to petition for suffrage, the right to vote. 1861 to 65, we had the American Civil War. 1868, the 14th Amendment to the Constitution was passed by Congress. And that states that men aged 21 and over who are residents of the U.S. have the right to vote. So any state preventing these rights will lose electors in the Electoral College, which obviously that's an issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, Women still do not have the right to vote. And this also grants African-Americans citizenship, but not the right to vote. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, ne- we're, we're just, um, the 21 and over is going to become an issue. But right. um, 
Yeah, we'll come back. To we'll come that. back to that twenty-one and over thing. But you're right. It's this is when they extended it to basically just all white men. That's what it looks like. Right. It's just extended <laughs> voting it. to all white men. That's it. Women can't vote whether they're black, white, or whatever. And black. And then black men, and obviously, any if there's black Latino, men Asian and women, or whatever they Asian men, Asian, Latino, Native, they can't vote either. Right. So. So 1870, 1870, Congress passes the 15th Amendment to the Constitution, and that amendment grants all men the right to vote regardless of race, color, or if they were formerly slaves. The amendment does not give women the right to vote. So when Congress passed this, this is where we start to see the cottage industry of voter suppression, voter uh, you know, uh, intimidation, um, people being hurt, killed, mm. harmed, uh, yeah, lynchings because they tried to vote. All these things start in earnest after this bill, after the Fifteenth Amendment is passed. Right. Because now you can now make money off of trying to keep people from voting. Now mm. there's an industry that's been created to try to keep people from voting. Right. So 1878. An act to amend the Constitution and give women the right to vote is introduced, but Congress does not pass it. 1890, Wyoming becomes the first state to grant women the right to vote at the state level. So it's only at the state level. Many states begin to use secret ballots so that voters cannot be bullied into voting for candidates they, date, they I, do not support. I just I just got an idea, and I'm, I'm going to speculate here i wonder if the reason why wyoming uh did this is because the one thing you have to understand about the end of the civil war and the wild wild west time happening where all of people started moving west is that a lot of these states and localities a lot of women were more powerful because of the sex trade and a lot of these western localities and states than the men were. Because what did the men do? They rustled cattle, they sold cattle, they grew stuff on the land. What did the women do? A lot of women went into the sex trade and to the oldest profession. So some of the most powerful people in some of these townships were women. The people who brought in the most money and were the biggest business were the madams that ran these brothels. And I, I think I read, a, I know I read a book about this and I also watched a documentary office and I also watched a few when I was doing my film studies and stuff, they would talk about how that's one of the pieces of the Wild West history that was lost, hmm. is that they didn't talk about how a lot of towns and a lot of these cities that were created out of nowhere, people were like, fuck did that city? It was created because women were running sex trade organizations, brothels, hmm. and those were the, that's where all the money was coming in. So it makes sense that a state like Wyoming would grant women the right to vote because women were probably the most, the biggest business owners and runners. And like I said, you had to be a person who owned property right. or ran a business. So if women are like, hey, I got all this money, I can help you get elected as long as you give women in this state the right to vote. I'm not saying that there's a there's a correlation, That's interesting but it's interesting that. to link, think about it because as I think about it, and I'm like, oh yeah, women were running these little areas. These, so a lot of these parts of states, huge swaths of states, they're being run by women. <laughs> and and that's that part is yeah. lost to history, but it's interesting that Wyoming was the first state to do it because it makes perfect sense that it would be. 
<laughs> that is. I like that. That little tidbit. Yeah. That didn't come to me till right now. I just I thought about that. that. I was like, hey, that makes sense that Wyoming would be that because right? when they you're were like piecing history together. It's really yeah, interesting it's interesting. It it's interesting because I know I know if we went and looked up why Wyoming, I'm pretty sure the sex trade would be like, oh well, that was the people who had the money. Right. <laughs> we gotta we gotta listen to her. She's the Making most wealthy some, person in this county. She's bringing in the money for you this know? area, this community. That's so funny. Right, well, now we skip all the way to 1920. Yeah, 1920. So August 18th, Congress passes the 19th Amendment to the Constitution, giving the women, giving women the right to vote. But historians note voting remained inaccessible to many women of color. Mm-hmm. 1924, the Indian Citizenship Act is passed, giving Native Americans full citizenship, but many states still disenfranchise them at the polls. And here's where literacy tests, poll taxes, and some of these things start coming in, coming into like play. really popular. Yeah. 1952, the McCarran-Walter Act grants all Asian Americans the right to become citizens and vote. It's like crazy to think about, you know, this was 1952, y'all. Yeah, that's not even a hundred, that's less than what, like 70 years right. ago? Right. 1961, the 23rd Amendment gives residents of the District of Columbia the right to vote for presidents, but not congressional representation. Mm -hmm. 1964, on January 23rd, Congress passes the 24th Amendment to the Constitution outlawing poll taxes. Poll taxes, or tax fees for voting, have been used to discourage poor people from voting. Mm Mm-hmm. And our through line for is coming back. Now we're starting to come back around to see how that decision in 1870 is now being, is having to be addressed now strictly in law because it's been happening and it's been bubbling and it's becoming a problem, a problem. And finally in 1964, they go, well, shit, man, you guys are doing all this restrictive stuff. We got to amend the constitution. Right. To stop you from doing it. We can't just pass a law because right. you won't abide by it. We have to make it unconstitutional now because since 1870, you've been doing, you've been, like I said, that industry has been growing and growing right. and growing. We'll do this. Poll tax, literacy tax, guess the number of marbles in a drawer. Da, 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 da. We'll just hang them. We'll just, ki- we'll just do whatever. We'll just kill them. We'll lynch them. We'll ma- it doesn't matter. We'll blow up the car, the bus that has all of the voters on it. We'll do all these things. Put security guards and police officers in front of the polling location. It's just all of this stuff. Yeah. When we get to 1965, so a year later, the Voting Rights Act is signed by President Lyndon Johnson. So the act enforces the 15th Amendment by explicitly stating that obstacles such as literacy tests or complicated ballot instructions or against federal law. So that goes even further from poll taxes. And then we get to 1971. On July 1st, the 26th Amendment is passed by Congress, lowering the voting age um, from 21 to 18. So Wilson had mentioned that... um, We were going to get to that. That we were going to get to that. Now, that was in 1868, you guys, that they had made it 
21. You know, that they had made it 21. But they started conscripting people to serve in all of the wars at 18. And then it wasn't until 1971 that they took it down to 18. Yeah. So the law is meant to resolve the disparity of the 18-year-old men are old enough to be drafted and yet do not have the right to vote. 1975, Congress expands the Voting Rights Act to protect the voting rights of those people who do not speak or read English. Mm -hmm. 1993, the National Voter Registration Act is passed, making it easier to register at DMVs and public assistance centers. That's crazy to think about, too. Yeah. That was just in 1993, That's just 1993. That That's... wasn't that long ago. We take all of these things for granted. <laughs> yeah, less than 30 years ago. Here we are. A little right? less than 30 years ago. We're talking about, I mean, so where, where could you... So just where, go to the DMV, all right? I know it sucks, where, but just go there. Where could you go register? Right. I don't I, know how that would You know, I'd have to go to some uh, specific government building, maybe mail it in. But right. being able to register at the DMV is, I mean, so much easier. Right. So 1996 to 2008, 28 U.S. states changed their laws on felon voting rights, mostly to restore rights or to simplify the process of restoration. 2000, a federal court's rules that citizens of U.S. territories like Puerto Rico and Guam cannot vote in federal elections. 2006, Voting Rights Act of 1965 was extended for the fourth time by George W. Bush, second extension of 25 years. And then in 20, 2014, the Supreme Court strikes down the key provision of the Voting Rights Act of 1965, which, usher, which ushered in a new restrictive voting laws in the very same states it was meant to watch. So that's where we come back around to right. having, where it seems like we're going backwards. It does. It seems like we're going backwards because when the Supreme Court strikes down that key provision, almost immediately, actually that was 2013, not 2014. But when the Supreme Court struck, struck down that provision, almost immediately states started reverting back to coming up with restrictive ways to keep it. You and I had this kind of mini conversation before we got started about, you know, it, it, it's all percentages at this point. It's all right. how many numbers of people can we keep from voting? If we close a polling location, that equates to 5%. If we institute a voter ID law, that might shave off 2 or 3%. If we... You know, say you can't vote with a with an outdated ID, that takes off another two percent. So all those percentages add up, and it means that the incumbent or the person in power gets to stay in power. And you know, these are this is what these these new laws and the the thing that it did. And I, as, upon doing research, I learned this that it didn't strike down um, the provision itself. What it did was it took the onus from the federal government to decide if the law was prohibitive or discriminatory to the individual having to decide if the law was as uh, punitive or, 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 or um, destructive. And so what it meant was that now you had to sue the state. The government couldn't come in and say, hey, this law is wrong. Now it was up to organizations like the NAACP, uh, ACLU, voting organizations out there to now sue the state 
take it all the way up to court, which could take years. Right. You know, take which it all the way to the Supreme with Court. So many people without the and, their and, right. and in the meantime, you have to get a judge to order an injunction against the law, permit a uh, temporary injunction for ninety days or a year while the thing works its way. It's just a mess. Right. It's all all these voter ID laws. I think I looked them. I looked up a few states, and basically, like Alabama has one, like Virginia. Um, they used to accept other kinds of non-photo identification, such as utility bills and social security cards. The new re law requires voters to present photo IDs. Um, fo uh, Alabama moved ahead with plans to inform proof of citizenship for potential voters after a federal court upheld similar laws in Arizona, Kansas in March. I mean, this past March. I mean, it... Arizona passed what they, what became known as a papers please law, which meant that you that if you looked illegal, you had to have your documentation of citizenship oh on you at all times, or else you could be detained and possibly deported. And this also came to voting; you had to have some sort of identification on you. So it was like a, it was called paper. It was called the papers please law. I mean, it's just like these states are coming up with all of these different things. Um, and we saw, yeah. we, oh, I kicking mean, people we off the voter so rolls. Many, kicking we, people off the voter rolls is another thing that they're doing. But go ahead. We saw. I mean, we talked about a lot of this stuff in the last episode. Yeah, yeah. The first voting episode was about all of the things that we, that have been done this year that go against a lot of these laws that were set up to make sure that these things weren't happening, and then we're seeing them happen. And this then we're year. yes. Oh, yes. This year, what they're putting in, and then, you know, you have the added, uh, added issue of we have a pandemic. Right. There's going to be more vote by mail this year than ever. Than ever. And yeah. then we talked about what the post office guy who was running the post office was trying to do. To joy. So we're just, we have, this year is going to be way more of... In my opinion, going backwards more this year than than ever. We'll see, we'll see. Um, I see here, Iowa implemented an administrative rule allowing the Secretary of State to begin the voter roll purge using the Save database. So basically, what they've been doing is they will go around and see match names to names of felons, and if those names match, that person gets kicked off the voter rolls, and you have to petition to get your name added back your name can be removed from the voter rolls without you even knowing. So you show up to vote, your name's not on the roll because your name, John Smith, or whatever your name is, matched a John Smith that was a felon. And they don't want felons voting. Heaven forbid a felon should serve their time, pay their debt to society, and then be able to reintegrate back into society. Oh, no, 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 we can't have that. Right. No, we don't have restorative justice. It's not a correctional facility. It's if you do something wrong, that's your life. You're done. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's... There's still so much that's wrong. I mean, the whole point of this episode was to lay out, obviously, the history, the timeline of it, but also to just point out that there's still so much and so far that we have to go. Mm -hmm. You know, the main thing in the news in regards to this whole movement is 
defunding the police and people think that that's where it stops but defunding the police is just is just the start it's literally a drop in the ocean and we've said this before Mm -hmm. there's so many there's issues all across the board that we have to solve and this is obviously a huge one because we're less than a month away from election day less than a month away to deal with all of this shit still so we wanted to talk about voting because again not only because we wanted to stress it but we also um wanted to and we just went through this whole timeline of voting to tell you about the 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 history of it but one of the things that i wanted us to really drill down onto is local elections and why voting is so important in local elections so there's three positions that I just wanted us to go over real quick. The mayor, city council, and because of everything that's been happening, if you think about the Breonna Taylor case, think about George Floyd, think about Dejan Kizzy, you think about um, you know, all of the different things that are happening, Jackie Lacey here in Los Angeles, you're talking about the district attorney. So I think that a lot of district attorneys around this country are, are elected positions, which means that you, the people listening to this, if you live anywhere in this country, you have a direct, you can have a direct impact on who your district attorney is and the laws are in the things that they uphold and the things that they do. So we'll talk about the mayor. Yeah. So the mayor, the mayor is the highest ranking official in a municipal government. So the mayor, the mayor is the highest ranking official in a municipal government, such as a city or a town. There's a wide variance on local laws and customs regarding the powers and responsibility of a mayor, as well as the means by which a mayor is elected or otherwise mandated. Um, It's very important that you know who your mayor is and that you vote for mayor, because this is going to be the person who is going to directly affect all different types of things that happen in your uh, in your city. There is an article on the Hill that says voting for mayor is more important than voting for the president. And it says um, our local elected officials are the ones who dictate the local laws, policies, and budgets that affect us the most. And these officials are being elected every year with little citizen involvement. The top reasons for voting for mayor, your voice is represented. While voters may care about the issues, especially national ones, participation in local voting continues to decline. 21%, this is from 2011, 21% of cities voting age population cast ballots compared to an average of 28% in 2001. So the numbers are going in the wrong direction. Local elections that gives voters the greatest opportunity to have their voices heard. With, so, with such low polling numbers across various states, increasing voting in local elections can be a game changer. Absolutely. So it's important. It's really important because, because voting percentages are so low in states or in cities, 
you voting actually has more of an impact. Right. Because there's less number of people voting. So you voting, stressing it, and getting people that you know to vote has more of an impact than you even that you could even think. Because now there's, you know, there's more people voting and voting for the things that they care about. It says to have a greater influence over laws in your state, start by staying informed on local issues so you can use facts to define your stance before you vote. And then they talk about apps. Local elections are taking place every year and their implications are long lasting. So that's, we wanted to cover the mayor. Next up is the city council. Let me see here, city council. So here in the United States, our city councils and towns boards generally consist of several, usually somewhere between five and 50 elected aldermen or councilors. In the United States, members of city councils are typically called council member, council man, or councilwoman. Councilors, the council generally functions as a parliamentary or congressional style legislative body, proposing bills, holding votes, and passing laws to help govern the city. So know who your council person is. Exactly. Like they are and passing the, the bills and the laws in your city. These they are, intro yeah, are, they are introducing, <laughs> they are introducing legislation, right. fighting for legislation, or not fighting for right. legislation. Or not doing shit. Or not doing shit, but taking photo ops and pictures. Right. We see you. The so local we get to choose these people directly, like Wilson said, it's so much more direct. You have much more of an impact with your vote when it comes to the state elections. So we will consistently put the emphasis on this, but we really wanted you guys to, if, if you know, if you're like, okay, well, you know, what few people should I know about? Well, first of all, do your own research, yeah. but also we'll tell you we'll tell you right now. <laughs> yeah. So, so the, mayor, the mayor, the city council, and, and then, most importantly, especially because of what we're going through right now. Yeah. With all of the problems that have been happening, Black Lives Matter movement, the district attorney, the district attorney is so important. The district attorney is the chief prosecutor prosecutor for a local government area, typically a county. The prosecution is the legal party responsible for presenting the case against an individual suspected of breaking the law, initiating and directing further criminal investigations, guiding and recommending the sentences of offenders, and are the only attorneys allowed to participate in grand jury proceedings. Mm -hmm. Think about Breonna Taylor. That district attorney was the one who decided what evidence that grand jury saw right. that came back with the with the. Uh, product that he wanted, which was not to charge any of the officers with the crime. Right. So he knew exactly what he was doing. He got the result he wanted, and he blames it all on the grand jury proceedings. Right. But that's the reason why you need to know who this guy is, or who that person is, and who they, who's running for that position, right. and what their views are on criminal justice, and what have they done in their past? Have they do they have a social justice movement uh, background? Do they have activism in their background, or did they just try to move to the system because they want to move on and out? Think Kamala Harris. Right. She was a district attorney of San Francisco. She did some really terrible things and moved on and moved out. And now we have to vote for her for vice president because Trump is a crazy person. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's right. like when you think about these people, they come from somewhere. Right. And if you are locally involved 
and pay Loyola, attention. And you're paying attention. You can stop them before they get to the position of having, you know, actual real power to hurt people. Right. Exactly. So those three uh, positions are things are three that we think you need to really pay attention to. Who's yeah. your mayor? Who is your council person that represents your district? And then who is the district attorney or the county prosecutor for your particular area? Exactly. Know who these people are, know what they stand for, so that when stuff starts happening in your city, you know who to call, you know who to talk to, you know who to petition, you know who to yell at, you know, you know, you know who these people are. You, these are actually people you can touch. Right. This is the one thing about our elected system within this country, especially in America. You can actually go somewhere and see your mayor in person. Right. Or your county prosecutor in person, or your con your uh, council person, in person. You you may not ever be able to see a president or a senator, but that person, those three people, you can go and actually talk to them, right. or talk to their aides very easily. Um, so definitely know who those people are because that that's where the local power, the real direct impact on your life is being made. Right. And know the measures that are going to be on the ballots, like really look into them and and not just like on the surface, really look into what they mean and what they stand for. Look into the 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 little things that are slipped in there, you know, mm -hmm. um, just be educated. It's important. It affects you. And, yeah. More than you know, more than you know, more than you know. So as so. we move forward. We're going to move into our Say Their Names portion of our show. This is where we highlight and say, say the names and tell the stories of those who have, been, um, who have been negatively impacted by our um, racist justice system, um, state-sanctioned police violence. And I'll start mine off by mine by talking about a man by the name of Jamel Jamel Floyd. So let me see here. Jamel Floyd, say his Jamel name. Floyd. So this story is pretty disappointing. It is not new, um, meaning that the fact pattern mm -hmm. is something that we've covered before. So Jamel Floyd was uh, arrested and it was in prison. The story came out July, June 5th of this year, 2020. Um, he was in a detention center and um, I believe it was New York. Yes. They, the story says he became increasingly disruptive and potentially harmful to himself and others. Staff members then pepper sprayed Floyd and took him out of his cell. Once the medical staff responded to assess Floyd as per protocol, they found that he was unresponsive. He was taken to the hospital and pronounced dead. So, go. let's go back. Um, this man was pepper sprayed in his cell because the staff said he was being disruptive, he was breaking the cell door with a metal object. Now, I did just a little bit of research on the effects of pepper spray. 
Just like a little bit of research. You don't do that. That's I'm number not, one rule. I'm not a trained first responder in a prison. Right. Which means I should have a little bit more training than just looking than on a Google. Google. Search. Than, a, than one Google search. <laughs> right. Right? I should have gone through training. Right. I found in the little bit of research that I did that is not only not advisable to spray pepper spray in an enclosed area, meaning inside a building, that it can also be very damaging to a person if they have to sit in that pepper spray for a long period of time. One of the things that also is, is not advised to do is to pepper spray someone who has asthma. Well, Jamel Floyd had asthma. So when these uh, uh So they knocked prison- off not only one box, but two boxes of they should never do this. Yeah. Well, first and off, then they, they did that. They should have known that you have a patient who has asthma. Right. So you shouldn't maybe pay, spray pepper spray well, in an amount that. First would... of all, you just shouldn't pepper spray them while they're in their cell. Period. Period. Then you definitely shouldn't pepper spray him when he's in his cell, knowing that he has asthma. Yeah. So this is what. Not they did. only that. With someone who has mental, we go back again and again and again. And again. And again. Somebody who has mental issues and is having an episode. Who is having an episode? There are other ways to handle these patients. Yes, they might be, you know, out of as they say, out of control. But there's ways to to talk to these patients that are that have to be different. Than ways to hand, that to talk to somebody who's just being angry just to be angry. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Who has no health, mental health issues or mental health background. Mm-hmm. You cannot talk to them the same. You cannot handle those situations the same. And this isn't to say that someone with a mental, without the mental health, you should be pepper spraying. Again, you should have never done that to begin with. Never. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they says uh, the statement released by a council member, Brad Lander, said enough is enough. Um, last winter, this same prison had no heat and hot water. So this is the Metropolitan Metropolitan Detention Center, um, I believe, in, in New York. Wow. And they had no heat or hot water. They had no heat or hot water last last 2019 fall winter 2019 wow in new york so this prison is completely out of control yeah it's yeah brooklyn so this prison is completely out of control yeah um it it, it, you pepper spray somebody i i read that that short exposure to pepper spray in enclosed areas is harmful but not damaging long-term exposure meaning more than five minutes more than a few minutes which is considered long-term exposure to pepper spray. Pepper spray is supposed to be something that's like quick, immediate. You well, kind of run, you leave, it's, and then your person gets it out of their eyes. And you're not supposed to be underneath. I don't want to say the ideal way to pepper spray someone, but, but yeah. like the way that they they made it, the intended use. That's the word. The I'm intended, the intended you, use right. is that you're in an not an enclosed space. You're in an open area because it's supposed to dissipate into the air. Right. Pepper spray has the same effects that some other types of gas have where they eat up the oxygen in the room 
So they take away the oxygen in the room, plus they do scarring to the internal throat, nose, uh, mouth, lungs of the person who you sprayed. So long-term effects, and like I mean long-term exposure, which is a few minutes, can start to have really devastating effects on a person. Right. Couple that with that this young man had asthma. Young man, I say, because he was 35 years old. He had asthma, which made him particularly... It's always that these... Because I, I just... Um, Elijah McLean just popped in my head. It's always these people are not able to deal with people. What are we doing? I'm sorry, this is just a tangent. We're not training these people. We've dehumanized each other as a population so much so that that we just see each other as, as a threat and as something to just be a threat to be taken down, not a person. So it's like when you get to Elijah McClain, you jam the freaking needle in his arm because uh, the, 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 he's not even a person. He's just a threat. The threat must be put down. Mm -hmm. Hit him with the ketamine. Hit him again. Wrestle him to the ground. St put your knee on his neck. It's not even a person. It's just a, it's just a threat. Not a human. And so when you get to, the, to what happened in, in, in New York, they just they just pepper spray because that's all they know pepper spray until the until the person stops moving just keep pepper spraying until they stop moving yeah and they killed this man and so um we have to continue to promote this idea that that there is a better way there's a better way. And as a as a as a public, as a group, as as activists, we have to be um, pressing our leaders to to see themselves towards the better way of doing this. Um, this is a problem yeah. this is a problem this prison has a history like I said there was a loss of heat in the dead of winter there have been inadequate protections against the spread of COVID it's just shown in this like prison. a lot of the issues that we talk about consistently yeah and this is why we must continue to say the names of the of our of, of our fellow citizens and continue to tell their stories mm -hmm. so that when people sit up there and they say, oh, you want to defund the police because of uh, because you just hate police. It's like, no, we love life. We love the life. We don't want mothers burying their children. And so we will continue to promote the idea that there has to be a better way. And that we have to bring humanity back into our system. So. Definitely. Say his name. Jamel. Jamel Floyd. Jamel Floyd. Say his name. Uh, Megan, who is your person? So my say the name week? today is Nicholas Chavez. Um, similar in that another mental health case. 
So and by the way, real quick, we don't really tell each other who our say their names are. Yeah, we don't this part all. of the show it's we really just kind of rely on the other person to tell the story. So I'm being informed a lot of times about who this person is. We don't Same. plan and coordinate <laughs> our, our our names. Yes. <laughs> so um Nicholas Chavez. So he was a 27-year-old. He was a father of three and was shot to death with a total of 24 um, gunshots. He was apparently outside of a Mexican restaurant running down the road um, into oncoming traffic um, and holding some something in his hand as he was running down um it was reported that he was potentially trying to possibly trying to kill himself uh so the officers arrived um they said that nicholas had charged at them and then um at one point like got a hold i guess of their of the cops stun guns and as always, you know, the whole thing, fearing for their lives, the cops shot at them, a total of 24 shots. But when um, the footage came out, the body cam footage came out, uh, and it went through court, it was reported that only three of the 24 shots were deemed objectively reasonable. So that means that the discharge of 21 of those shots for the four policemen were not objectively reasonable. Um, and that, just like sit with that for a moment. <laughs> That's yeah. a lot. And we've, we've... obviously um, it's not to say like, Again, there's people that are that will say, you know, these police officers have their job to do. They're obviously, if this guy's coming at them, with he steals their stun gun, all of this stuff. Yes, I totally get it. But it still does not justify shooting somebody 24 times. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't. There's got to be ways that we can solve this. And guess what, guys? There is. It's called defunding the police. It's called reallocating resources aka all of their money mm -hmm. so that we can build up organizations that will actually do what they're supposed to be doing and have the funds to be handling situations like this like that of Jamal Floyd like that of Nicholas Chavez where they didn't have to have this happen to them because they had a mental illness a mental illness in America should not be a death sentence. Exactly. All too often, I think we reported on the tragic story of a wellness check. And this is not the first time we've reported on a story of a wellness check right. in which the police show up to make sure somebody's alive and then the police end up killing that person. Right. That happens so much in this country that it's almost like, oh, well, yeah, of course. The police did a wellness check and murdered the person. So I guess the wellness check didn't go that well. <laughs> right. The person's not well anymore because now they're dead. 
you know status right. is dead they're not alive and well you know so having a mental illness and i know and i will stress this because i'll say it again having a mental illness should not be a death sentence there has to be a better way for people in this country who are suffering from mental stability mental instability or mental issues or mental health issues to not have to lose their life because the police officers that are dealing with them are not trained properly, they're afraid, they're scared. All they know how to do is pull out their gun and shoot. Right. Exactly. So say so. their names. Jamal Floyd. Say their names. Jamal Floyd. Nicholas Chavez. Nicholas Chavez. So let's move forward to a little lighter activist. Highlights. Highlights. And this is the section again where we talk about people in either in our uh, the local space or Instagram space, social justice space that are doing positive work. So, Megan, you can go first. Who is yes. your highlight or person you want to talk about? So I wanted to talk about a nonprofit organization called When We All Vote, since this felt it appropriate for this episode. Um, so they're basically they're a nonprofit organization. They say on their page, "We're shaping the promise of our democracy through voter registration and our and participation." So I love um, their account posts so much good information on um, just a lot of things that are going on. Different voter registration. They like update you on different voter voter. Oh my gosh, voter registration deadlines depending on what state you're in. Um, they talk a lot about the different candidates. They have different like interviews with a um, bunch of different pe- people, celebrities, uh, officials. And then they also, one thing that I really loved is that they have um, a whole voter red resources hub on their website. Mm. So there's a lot of different information and you can reach out to them um, about them sending you a bunch of information on registering to vote, getting your mail-in ballot, um, knowing, you know, all of the the measures and all of that, basically everything that we've talked about in the last two episodes um, of our voting episodes. And then they have a lot of, they have like a take action section where you can, um, you can help staff at your local polling place or, um, you know, it, there's like a whole event about like getting all of your friends to vote, getting them registered to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bunch of different events that they have. Um, just a lot of great information for everyone. And I think just a great organization just based specifically on getting more information out there and getting more people inspired and motivated to vote. Mm-hmm. So it's, they're called When We All Vote. You can check them out on Instagram at When We All Vote. Link in their bio for all of their different things um, that they have going on. That's important. Yeah. We will probably um, talk more about more organizations that are doing around voting, doing things around voting in the next episode or two that comes out before the election. So we'll try to make, we'll try to shoehorn that in. No matter what we talk about, we're going to talk about voting. Yeah, definitely. So my highlight or my uh, activist highlight this week is going to be about uh, the Know Your Rights Camp. Good one. Um, Colin Kaepernick's Know Your Rights Camp. 
Mm-hmm. Um, this is an organization that, in the wake of the Black Lives Matter protest and movement from a few years ago, has been dedicated to um, to advancing the idea that you have rights, you should know them, you should be informed and educated. And we're gonna and what one of the things that he's done is he's made it cool. He's made it popular to know how you interact with the police. What are some of the things that you can say and do? One of the biggest things that I It's a whole campaign for the youth. For the youth. And especially when it's about like raising awareness and empowering them to like actually be their like be in charge of be their own advocate be their own advocate and so we when you had the issues a few years back about deportations and ice this this organization was very very much involved in telling people you don't have to talk to the ice you don't have to answer any questions you have the right to an attorney and a lawyer Mm -hmm. there's a lot of the people who would possibly have to come into contact with these people didn't know what to say or do Right. And they might say or do something that might negatively impact them. Right. So getting that education out there was extremely important, and I'm so proud that they did that. From their website, it says, Our mission is to advance the liberation and well-being of black and brown communities through education, self-empowerment, mass mobilization, and the creation of new systems that elevate the next, cha- next generation of change leaders. So there are 10 points. It all starts with you have the right to be. So you have the right to be free, be healthy, be brilliant, be safe, be loved, be courageous. You have the right to be alive, be trusted, be educated, and you have the right to know your rights. So please do research on Know Your Rights camp follow them on instagram i believe it is at knowyourrightscamp.com is the website and know your rights camp on instagram donate to them if you can if not follow them if you can donate donate also follow them uh, and promote their posts through your social medias and become educated um, because this is an organization that is basically out there doing what we wished people would do, which is to educate people and mobilize. So those are our activist highlights for this week. We'll move into our call to actions. Yes. And if, Megan, you want to Yeah, kind of just the, this the little golden nugget is, you know... <sighs> Understanding that it's a privilege to not have to get political. Mm. Also understanding that human rights is not a political issue. Whether anyone has the same rights as another person is not a political issue. So if you're stating or using that statement, understand that that's your privilege Mm -hmm. showing face. Um, So really... First, understanding that, maybe sitting with it, reflecting on it, really soaking it in, um, and then using that privilege to do what's right and what's just. And part of that is voting. 
voting, vote, 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 go vote, go tell all your friends to vote, get your family to vote, just tell them all to vote, get them to vote, everybody needs to vote. We can't tell everybody what, how to vote, and that sucks sometimes, but <laughs> just get them to vote. Get them to vote. Um, educate yourselves. We've told you who we're voting for and right. who we're not we, voting we, for. We, you know who, where we stand. We yeah. don't hide it. Yeah. Um, but we've also educated ourselves. We've done a lot of research. We continue to do research. Um, and we hope that all of you are as well. So educating yourselves on the local officials, the local measures, propositions that are coming up because these are going to directly affect you outside of obviously the president presidential election presidential election we got shit in one hand shit in the other those are the choices that's what we got to deal with the local elections you have a lot more impact so think about it all right think about it and do it um and then also make sure again that you're not only registered to vote but that you have a voting plan so we haven't really talked about that having a voting plan so our what we mean by that is are you voting by mail if so, do you need to request your ballot? Do you know when you need to request your ballot by? And then when you get your ballot, making sure that you send it in on time. Making sure you know when that last date that you mm -hmm. can send it in on mm -hmm. time would be. Um, if you plan to vote in person, making sure that you know where your polling location is and that you have that day free. Don't give yourself two hours to go vote. No. Do not do that. Do not do that. Just take the day off. Mm -hmm. Just take the day off. Don't don't feel rushed. However long it takes, it takes. Don't get frustrated that it's going to take five hours or however long it takes. Just accept what it is and be proud that you've done all the work and that you're going to vote. And that this is the plan that you chose for yourself. Just be just just be happy about that. Can I can I step? Go for it. Um, if you here's a here's an idea. If if that's something that you would like to do, and you said have a plan. So if you can vote early, if if for those that can, for those that have to vote on the day, have a plan. For those that can vote early, vote early. And then your obligation and your story isn't done. Right. Because you know what I want you to do? I want you to vote early. I want you to make sure that your vote is registered or that your vote is in. And then what I want you to do is go buy five or ten dollars worth of snacks and go to that voting polling location on the day and hand them out to people and make sure they stay in line. That's your new plan. And that's I just awesome. gave it to you yeah. because that's what I did in March. Don't vote and say, oh, I'll go home. No, 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 no. Because you're absolutely right. The people who go there sometimes, they say, I'll be done in 30 minutes. This, I'll be done in an hour. They're there five, six hours. Mm -hmm. You know what those people need? They need you, the person who voted by mail early. They need you to be there to hand them one of those really small bottles of water. They need you to be there to hand them a bag of chips and tell them to please stay in line. Yeah. Don't get out of line. Do not go home. Please, I'm begging you. I'll go buy you lunch. Stay in line. Yeah. That's what your new plan is if you plan, if you have a plan, mm -hmm. like Megan said, to vote early. If you can if you can in your city or state vote early, you need to now make a new plan. And that new plan is to support people on the day to make sure that they stay in line, that they feel encouraged 
to stay in line because there is going to be a percentage of people that no matter how important we tell them the selection is, they'll go home. Yeah. And we don't want them to go home. Right. <laughs> we want them to stay in line and we want them to vote. Absolutely. So that was a, that was a great add in. And lastly, again, just making sure to remind your friends and family and encourage others to vote, whether that's through conversations, through posting on social media, whatever it is, just encourage others to do the same. Finally, keep checking back in with us. We, you know, reach out. We want to hear from you. Um, for all of you that have been reaching out, thank you so much. We appreciate the feedback. We love hearing your opinions. We love hearing the challenges. We love the topic requests that, that some of you have given to us. Um, so please continue to reach out, reach out, even if it's like one sentence, even if it's like, you suck, I don't know. Just reach out to us. We want to hear oh, from you. We would you. love to hear that. We want to hear from you. Um, and then, of course, any sponsorships or if you want to advertise with us, definitely reach out. We're definitely open to it. Um, and we're just, we're so excited and, and so, so grateful to continue doing this work, even though, you know, the world is a little heavy right now. And I know a lot of people are really stressed out mm -hmm. and really overwhelmed, but Wilson and I are excited every week to, to meet and really, um, go through all of this stuff for, for ourselves and for, to share with all of you. I wonder. I wanted to add a couple. One thing in when you were talking about reaching out, you have to like like when we said. I think I said this earlier that uh, you know in places where there are low t voter turnout, if you go vote, it makes such a huge difference. Well, think about that when it comes to us. Uh, we're a very brand new show. We're only a couple of months in. So if you were to reach out to us with a question. Your question <laughs> will most likely be read on the show and answered because you're not competing with 3,000 or 100,000 other people sending us questions. So if you send us a question, we'll probably read it and address We're it. We're definitely reading it and addressing it. <laughs> so, so, you know, um, you know, that's one of the benefits of being an early supporter of ours. If you send us a question through, uh, what is it, unlearn, relearn, dot podcast at gmail.com unlearn relearn dot podcast at gmail.com if you email us a question we're most likely going to read your question on the show and answer it and talk about it and Definitely. it doesn't matter it could be a you suck that's it mm -hmm. or you could have a you know a paragraph or two whatever it is so stay in touch with us like she said check in reach out we definitely want to hear from you yeah and as always and Thank as you always, so much, friends. For hanging out with us as we unlearn the BS and relearn the good stuff. All right, guys, until next time, please take care of yourself. We will see you guys next week.